This is The Secret Library Podcast, a show about writing and publishing books. I'm Caroline Donahue, a writer and writing coach, and this begins our ninth year and tenth season of the podcast. Our topic this season is money and writing, featuring a series of deep conversations about how writers strive to strike a balance between creativity and finances. My first guest this season is Barry Tesler, author of The Art of Money, The Art of Money Workbook, and the creator of the year-long Art of Money School. She has been my money mentor since I met her over 20 years ago, and I knew she had to be our first guest for this season because our conversation sets the tone for everything that comes after. And... It also felt appropriate because she was the first guest ever on this show. So I know you're going to love this conversation with Barry Tesler. Hi, Barry. It is such a joy to have you on. And as soon as I had the idea to do this season about money and the feelings and connections that creatives have with money, I, you are the first one on my list. Thank you uh, for all the reasons and I'm very happy to be here with you today. Not only because we've been talking about money for decades at this point, which feels really exciting to say. Two decades. Two of them. Yeah, I re- yeah, you, you sat on my couch in yeah. my my living room in an apple orchard 20 years ago. It was so good. <laughs> and I feel the same um there was a sense of permission about being able to think about money and talk about money that I felt at that time, which was huge in my 20s. And at the same time, you know, we're now over 20 years later and there are still things that are scary for people to talk about this. And I'm seeing this shift in part to work that you and people like you have done where we feel like we can talk about money, but I also noticed, I had the very funny realization, which you witnessed, that I can talk about my personal finances and thinking about, you know, what's what's my budget, what feels reasonable. And then over here, People can't see me flinging my hands around everywhere, Um, but it's happening. Over here, there is the piece of, I'm a creative who makes work in the form of writing and puts it out in the world in exchange for money in various forms. And it wasn't until like the last six months, (laughs) it might've even been less than that, that I thought, oh, Maybe I should think about this budget when I think about how much I charge for my books or whatever I put out there. And this was a revolutionary concept to me. And I just am wondering if that's a pattern, those kinds of disconnects that you've witnessed in working with people over the past many years. Yeah. Well, yes. I mean, there are so many different disconnects. And so I I never know what it's going to be for each person or what's going to be the key that unlocks it or the insight moment or the aha, or, you know, for you, it was realizing that you're, you've your personal finances and that whole world and those numbers and those values and 
how you are, yeah, how you, you know, that whole, that whole part of your life. And then you have your creativity in your business, right? And that, and they do need to be talking to each other and that there's a whole disconnect there. Like, oh, my business numbers are influenced by my personal. I need to understand my personal in order to know what I need to be charging, right? And so, yeah, I mean, yes. (laughs) So, (laughs) you know, I mean, I think recently one of my, and we can keep going into that because that is a big one for a lot of, that's for some people. Right. is But for some people, it's yeah, they just are doing their business numbers and doing all the projections and doing their bookkeeping for their business. And they're completely ignoring their personal. And other people are just doing their personal numbers and completely ignoring visioning and dreaming and projections and intentions for their business. So, yeah, I've seen it both ways for that. Definitely. Years. Right. And then there's deeper layers of of why for each person that's that's different that's different you know I love this word permission I I haven't really used that that's such a beautiful word I always am saying I hope to create safety and bravery (laughs) and but it's and it's permission it's permission you know now 20 what am I 23 24 years I don't know 25 years like you know (laughs) that I've been doing this work and I've been offering a, spa- a safe and brave space for permission for yes. you, me, for everyone, right, to dive in. Um, you know, recently for me, I realized that I'm not an entrepreneur. I'm a creative. And I've always known that. I've always called myself a creative entrepreneur. But that even just little shift in my thinking that I'm not a big number, want to grow really big, want to have a big team, want to invest a lot. I want to invest. And, you know, I know my numbers, but there was something, you already already said it, of this is my creative work, even though I'm a therapist. But I see it as, you know, I also write and I also create content and teach and, and do these sessions. And it's creative, deep, deep, deep work for me. And then you got to price it. <laughs> you, you and know? this is the part where everybody, it's like, I think of it as like, well, this is showing my age, but like the blue screen on the computer of it's just like, the, I'm over here doing this juicy creative work and this is happening over here. And then there's money in the world and I'm buying groceries and we're paying rent and mortgages and so on. And then it's like, yeah, but um, if you want to be a, a working artist, then those two have to, and you're like, no, I'm not ready for them to even. A working creative, whether yeah. you, whatever you call yourself, working artist, working creative, working therapist, creative, you know, teacher, creative, right? Everything yeah. in there. I mean, it's fascinating. This is why I started my work, you know, all these years ago. And so I just want everyone to know it doesn't mean one day you wake up and you're done and you're never going to have any <laughs> Money emotions anymore, money issues or stuff to work on. All of that can decrease. You can, you know, decrease the level of emotion, how you react, how you get to it quicker. But life's going to happen. Curveballs are going to happen. We're we're going to be for most of us. Um, we're going to be working on this until the day we die, right? But that was like I can remember, and I've told this story before. In my twenties, as a therapist, we weren't supposed to talk about money, strive for money. 
want money, um, you know, no money conversations, right? That was like, there was no training as a therapist, which you and I know, and we've talked about. No, and then you're not, you know, not supposed to strive for money or think about it as a creative artist or even anyone on a spiritual path. So there was, Mm -hmm. I was just, you know, and you were, you know, steeped in so many things where we weren't supposed to connect this all up. And so for me, making $11 an hour with after having a master's degree in somatic psychology and still and working in the field, making $11 an hour, there was no good chocolate or bringing chocolate to a dinner or getting a massage or, you know, so I wasn't creating a livelihood. I was, you know, creating what my teenager calls a loop. I would get up every day and go to work at the same time and come home. He he talks about it as a loop. He doesn't like when he feels that loop of going to school mm. every day. And I don't either. That's one of the reasons why I have to work for myself, right? Just one of many. But there was something about I have to connect my creative work and create a livelihood about it. So yeah, I have to learn how to run a business. And I have to learn how to do bookkeeping and marketing and and be visible and, you know, bring it all together. But underlying that are all these feelings about worth and value and confidence and experience and on and on and on. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I feel like this word, I'm trying to sort of be in the conversation and also be this, have one little part of myself listening to it like a listener. And the part of me that is playing the role of the listener is getting a little bit activated by the word business. Like if I'm a writer and I want to put books out in the world, does that mean I have to understand business? Yeah. It doesn't mean we need to be the big entrepreneurs, right? With the huge right. teams and the investing. We we don't, you know, we need to know what kind of life we want to be living and what we want to be doing, as I always say, with time, energy, family, health, money, or that's always my equation, you know? Um, but yeah, we we need to merge. We need to integrate. Our, our creativity with some business savvy and with looking at our numbers and knowing our numbers. Yeah. I, I feel like when, you know, I'm not getting underneath it what, here yeah, yet. Yeah, it's, I feel like, but that's what it, what happens. I feel like it's like we get, we come to the conversation with huge amounts of enthusiasm and then sometimes I'm like, I'm going in, this is, and then there's like, ugh. it's like, it's hard to get into what's happening underneath sometimes. Well, this is funny. This is what I teach and hold space for all the time. So I'm like, is, <laughs> are we, am I in a therapy session right now and you're giving me therapy or are we, are we a, channeling? Are we, what, what's going on? Um, well, I always, you know, when I'm holding space and for others, I'm holding, I'm trying to listen to what's happening deeper, you know, and the deeper levels or where they're stuck or what's going on or, um, but this whole territory is shadowish for so many. It's shadow. There's so much layers of shame that comes up or, and all the other money emotions that comes up with it, you know? 
um, we were talking how, what, 20 years ago, no one was talking about money, their relationship to money. It was so fringe at the time. Um, and now, you know, I get Google alerts for financial therapy daily, right? daily. People want to know what is this? Um, and, but even, you know, I got, I, I've been doing ads face, I've been doing Facebook, Instagram ads, and I love the Instagram responses on Facebook. It's mostly guys responding. I mean, people mm. will like it, but it's guys responding, just saying like, what's your education? <laughs> what's your training? Number one, or they'll say, Ooh, financial therapy, that's going to hurt. Or they'll say, I'm teaching my teenager, you know, all about earning and spending and saving and investing. And she needs to know all of that before she heads off to college, but all the rest is fluff. You know, I just, just, I mean, just like, I also, you know, just back to the emotional part of this, the money psychology part of this, the 85% of our money decisions or more or 95%, anywhere from 85 to 90% of money decisions are based on emotions. So that's all fluff, you know, for some people or the guys that are responding instead of, God, if you are great at spreadsheets, fabulous, good for you. You know, if, if this is really black and white for you, good for you. But for most of us, especially creative folks, there's layers and layers of what this touches on and the meaning that we put on this area of life and history and family dynamics. And joy and pain and some trauma and our Enneagram type and yeah, all of it. All of it. I think the piece I just got, I felt a soapbox appearing below my feet as you were talking <laughs> about this. And it was large, the soapbox. <laughs> what do you have to say? Well, I think that given that creatives are so connected to our emotions and that we have to, especially those who write fiction I'm thinking about. So for the, for my fiction writers listening, we have to go inside of different experiences, different life experiences, different characters, feel those emotions and write about them. And if, as we know, money decisions are 90% emotional, it is entirely possible that creatives are far more qualified. Well, I know that they are far more qualified to think about money than they realize, but that a lot of it is like, there is this disconnect that's put in place very early. It's like, there's the STEM fields, like science, technology, engineering, math, and then there's the arts, like they're separate, but money is a creative force. And engaging with money can be just as creative as anything else. Well, I hope it can be. I mean, that's what I've been teaching yeah. for 25 I know. years. You know, is finding creative practices and rituals to get us engaged and connect us, you know, to doing our craft and providing our amazing creative work. And at the same time, developing the muscles of savviness around the business side. So I don't know if we need to rename the business side. Let's do it. Right. Or rename the yeah. bookkeeping side or rename the marketing side. My husband always is like, you hate marketing. I'm like, well, I have my moments where it's feels creative and fun and interesting. 
but okay, I guess I <laughs> like really um I guess for the most part, I really dislike it. That's you yeah. know, but I'm still working on it. I'm still yeah. working. Um yeah, I mean, in an ideal world, right? Or if we live off the grid or if we live mm-hmm. in a socialist, uh, who knows, culture, society, then we just do a good work. We'd all get paid and that would be that, right? Um, but yeah, we have to create little micro businesses. For sure. Yeah. I think the renaming is actually truly powerful because that's one of the things that you taught early on that yeah. really open things up for me. Like the fact that I didn't need to use traditional, you know, these accounting categories in my finances and that I could choose words that felt more empowering to me. I mean, that came out almost day one, you know, it was like, how am I going to get myself (laughs) and everyone around me engaged in this area of life called money? And you know, my topics were initially in my 20s were relationships and intimacy and sexuality and food and body and grief and death. And how I got to money is still like, what? You know, but it's equally juicy. Well, it is, it is, is, and it's just the doorway to all of that as well. You know, it's just Mm -hmm. another that. And it was just such a missing piece in my education, you know, both growing up or I got parts and pieces or, you know, and then in graduate school, right. It was so missing. Um, so I, 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 the rename, anyway, I went off on tangent, but the renaming thing came up right away was how am I going to engage myself and others? And so who likes the word budget? No one does like, so let's rename (laughs) something more interesting, money map, map of intention, something let's rename our category so that you see your own values and intentions right in there, you know, rename things. And so that was just one, or even like, sit down and have a money day, but make it a ritual, make it a creative experience. You like, you know, you light your candles, you get out your essential oils, you play your music, you get out your chocolate. Everything for me needs to be a creative, (laughs) you know, um, ritualistic experience. But so yeah, renaming your whole bookkeeping or, you know, what to money dates or, or, I don't, there's, I mean, my God, or rename marketing to more visibility, you know, to what, you Sounds know. Sounds like you're still working on that one. <laughs> of course I am. I mean, I, yeah. right. Or, or self-expression or, you know, yeah. right. Or like connection. I think of it. I try to think of it as like community building or something. Mm-hmm. Right. So I renamed taxes years ago to community contribution. So this is community building, mm. community ca- connection, community. Uh, yes. Yeah. yeah. But we have the ability, I think, to change the story that we have about money and what it means. And the story that a lot of writers come in with is don't become a writer. You're not going to make any money first of all, like getting discouraged potentially when younger. And then there's also, if you enjoy what you're doing, then it's greedy to ask for money. Right. Right. All of those, all of those. So learning what those stories are and creating new stories, retelling those stories in a different way, in a new way, right? You're all, as writers, that's what everyone does. Mm Mm-hmm. 
so I just, it's about, I just lost my train of thought, but it's about retelling the story so that instead of, I can't do work. If I do work that I love, I'm not going to earn a nice living, right? Or Mm -hmm. or create, right? So if I do work I love, then I'm going to be broke. Or Mm -hmm. what was the second one you said was? The other one is, um, if I enjoy what I do, I'm not allowed to make money. It's too much. It's like, or I, and I just thought of a third one. It's like they're in there. And then it's like, if I do work, if I write books that sell well, then I've sold out. And it's sold out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All of, right. So, so right. What, so how do we retell that? It's going to be different for mm-hmm. everyone. Um, I want to do work that I love that also I get paid well for. And that I create a nice livelihood at. So for me, it's, I'm always looking for what's the bit right business model. The, yes. you know, that's the key for I me. I was hoping this would come up. Yeah. I mean, that's just the key. That's yeah. the key. And unfortunately, I wish I could settle in or we could settle in on one business model and it would stick forever. And I think years ago, yeah, I would have said I that. Haven't, I, yeah, I haven't right? had that happen for me either. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I that's another thing with creatives, whether... We change, we go through health stuff, or we have a baby, or then we're in menopause, or right? All the yeah. the, the life cycle. Where the world changes, the economy all changes, all of these things. Stuff, yeah. Right. So there's the internal changes, right? And family changes. And then there's the economy changes or the pandemic change, right? Or there's all mm-hmm. that extra stuff. And, you know, I naively thought I was immune to external stuff years ago because which is just ridiculous no one well, is well don't we all in our 20s yes. and 30s <laughs> yes. i certainly did yes or you know i was starting my business in 2001 but 2008 the big stock market crash didn't hit me cuz i was still like living simply in a growth phase i just had my you know i had my son so it wasn't a big marker like it was mm-hmm. for many 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 folks yeah um so it's about, yeah, finding the right business model and then adapting and adjusting as we go. And then, you know, I always, it's about business models, which we'll talk about, but it's also about what are the questions to be asking, right? In different phases. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I had my son and I went from having a whole business partner and a business team and lots of VAs and we had we had bookkeeping trainers and financial coaches underneath us. And we had a whole, you know, business and business model that was working, but everything needed to change. When I had my son, I needed rest. I wanted to be home. I wanted, you know, that lots of things changed um, that I couldn't have planned for. And so then I had to ask myself after like 40, 50, 60 hours of work, I, I had 10 in the first year or two. So what can I do in 10 hours that I love the most that I can do while I'm sleep deprived? And that's going to bring in the most amount of money for now. That was my question then, right? In another moment, it was how can I reduce the cost of my programs from a high price point to more of a middle or even lo- lower you know, Mm -hmm. high, low to middle, so I can serve more people, be more generous, but increase my income. So I'm always like, I don't always know the right questions to ask, but anytime I'm trying to figure out the puzzle to 
a business model or how do I, you know, what do I do in this life phase? I'm always looking at my services business model and different questions that I can ask based on what I need and want, you know, around time and energy. And so, I mean, that kind of, it goes back to your questions of, or the beliefs that a lot of artists have or creatives have, you know, one, if I do my, if I love my work, I'm not going to make money. If it comes easy, then I shouldn't be making money. Yeah, that one gets that me. That one kills me. <laughs> I'm like, if if you enjoy it yeah. so much and it's easy for you or you enjoy it, but it comes really easy for you and you can make good money at it, you know, like that's, a, that's an amazing combination. Yeah, that's a- Great. So why then we bring up like, do I really deserve this or have I really earned it or those kinds of thoughts? Or I real I need to work my ass off. I need to work so hard in order to make my money. Otherwise, I'm not deserving of it. And you know I hate the word deserving. I really deserve too much. It's too much. That's where we well, there's many places we need to separate our sense of value and worth from our relationship to money, to our numbers in our bank account, to how much we charge. I want to dismantle that. At the same time, we need to price our services based on our experience, based on, um, you know, how long we've been doing this, all of that, based on our numbers, our personal numbers, based on what phase of life we're in. It's, It's huge. And the other piece is like all of that is you know, basing our value on money. But then as artists and writers, there's also the the pull to base your value on other people's reaction to your work. Yeah, yes, yeah. Or how much social media attention or likes you get or how much feedback you get. Yeah, I mean, this that's the deeper, deeper work that I'm still doing. Um, and we'll continue to, and we all will, right? So I tell the story of how, you know, the first time I, I offered a new program two years ago after teaching a year-long program for years, which you know, the art of money. And then I started doing a mentor program. And I did a pretty low price point the first round of my mentor program, and I got 40 people. And then the second round I did it, I got 17. I raised the price and I got 17. And I remember that moment of, is this about my worth? Is this about my value? Does this have nothing to do with my value and worth? Is this something about where the economy is at this time or where online businesses are at this time? And, you know, I could just see that maybe so many years ago, I would have made a direct link like, oh, this is about the quality of my work or who I am as a human instead of, no, actually, I need to up my marketing at this time, or I need to be more visible at this time. And I'm just relying on my old list, you know? So I was able to really separate it out and not take it in that something was the matter with me that I went from 40 to 17. It was like, oh no, this is not a value issue. This is more of where my marketing's at at this time and where the economy's at at this time. And I could really feel separate, you know, from it. So I think that that is the ongoing work. Yeah. Is that we need to see where we're at 
Where's our business? Where's our work at? Where's our business at? Where's our numbers at? Always be, well, again, not, not every year are we growing. Like when I had my son, I, I went the other direction. I simplified. I got rid of the whole team and the extra income. <laughs> I went back to one woman show because that was the best. That's what I needed during that phase when I was a new mom, right? So not every year is a growth year making more money, saving more, giving more, donating more, all of that, investing more. We love those years, <laughs> but not every year is that. Some years are just like hanging in there or just like uh, keeping where you've been, keeping it steady, right? And then other years, there's a big dip. So I think that every year we need to evaluate where are we at in ourselves, personally, health-wise, energetic-wise, with our family, whoever the makeup is, you know, where are numbers? Are we trying to grow? What's going on? What do we need to adjust? You know, do we need to adjust pricing? Do we need to increase marketing, increase visibility? What do we need, you know, or do we want to simplify? Or, you know, I'm starting to think about a sabbatical for next year. <gasps> yes. So, so exciting. Yes. So I don't, I, I'm kind of, I feel like I'm kind, I'm not being really specific today. Um, I'm being pretty general about how I'm yeah. talking about things. Um, but I think that's helpful because I think for a lot of people having been bombarded with this message that if you're an artist, you're kind of opting out of participating in the world in a, in a lucrative financial way, then it's revolutionary to think, could I get really clear about what I need to thrive? And can I ask questions about what I want, you know, do I want to take a day job that's going to cover my bills so I don't have stress, but do I want to ask for half time so that I have time and space to write? Or do I want my money to come from writing? And do I, you know, do I want to make choices based on that decision? And is it okay to explore those questions at all? For me, it's all about asking the questions and giving yourself permission here we are again. Mm -hmm. Ask yourself questions, come up with the questions, sit in the questions, live them. For me, that's a huge part of this process or how I work with shifting internal landscapes, external landscapes, different life phases. I always come back to the questions. Um, that's, that's one of my main practices. Um, along with checking with my body, right? <laughs> and what are the feelings and feel them. But for a lot of us that are feeling creative type of people, you know, we may need to be like, hello, feelings and give ourselves space and time with the feelings and then go, now we're going to move forward or now we're going to move over to the side here. Now we're going to take a next step or now we're going to have a money date, right? We may need to, not from a tough love, push yourself out of the feelings place, but okay, side by side, the big feelings. I'm going to peek at my personal finances and see what are those numbers looking like, you know? And yes, go back to that. I, you know, I, I, you know, I love the bread and butter job to, to, to pay for bread and butter, whatever your version mm -hmm. of, all, just all your basic needs, part-time job, pay bit for basic needs. It just can reduce your stress significantly. Now, not doing something you hate, not being in a toxic environment, not right, but something that's middle of the road as far as it's doable for a period of time. 
Right. Well, I I just to think of it as um, going undercover for a writer. It's like, can you do a job where you're going undercover and you're going to get paid and you're going to get a lot of character research? And so for me, I can usually put up with most things if I feel like I'm a spy or like I'm on a stakeout. I love it. That's sort of that got me through a lot of years before uh-huh. I could work for myself. Great. I love the alter ego. I, I have I have a spy alter ego myself. Um oh, how exciting. So, oh yeah. Um so yeah, I mean, or you're someone like me who cannot have a job. And so I just chose to live really simply and did bookkeeping you know, Mm -hmm. for a chunk of time until I got to the place where I could teach, you know, full time or do my, you know, my financial therapy full time. But I did bookkeeping as this interim. Um, I didn't love it, but I didn't hate it. And it was great bread and butter. You know, it was, it was a skill that I learned and was able to do as like a stepping stone for a period of time. And yeah, and I haven't had a job now for 25 years. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't worked for someone else. I just can't. I I absolutely I can't. Yeah, I really I really can't anymore either. I think or I choose not to. I don't know. It's both. Yeah. It's both. But I feel like just starting to think about these questions and opening up to the fact that being creative doesn't mean you're you're never going to make money in your life or that you're never going to have a satisfying or meaningful relationship with money. It is, it is possible to shift that. Well, I think so. Some people are going to start there. They're going to start with, yeah, what are all these old beliefs or what are these beliefs that just are coming up? These thoughts, these stories, these money stories that keep coming up, what are they? And, you know, as writers write about them, get them out, get them on the page. Whose voice are they? Is it mom? Is it grandma? Is it brother? Is it, you know, where you grew up? Is it culture? Is it, you know, where, whose voices are those? Maybe they need to become characters. Maybe they need, you know, like that. So that, that's maybe one step, you know, is some writing. I always say journaling, but writing, mm-hmm. writing for you all. What are the thoughts, beliefs? Exactly. Um, where do they come from? Where are they in your body? What are the memories? All of that. So that's one part of it. Um, and then how do you rewrite? How do you change your stories? You know, mm-hmm. so as writers, so yeah, how do you how do you how do you take a character through an evolution? <clears throat> Excuse me, how do you take a character from one place in their lives to a new place in their lives? How do you, how do you do that? I don't know. I'm just just making this up. Um, No, I think it's, I think it's real. Yeah. 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 So that's one thing. It's just, just naming all the different thoughts and their limitations, their old beliefs, their old stories. And then, yeah. What are baby little steps to take you into a new story, into a new version of yourself, into a new direction, new street, new path. For me, it's always baby stepping and then a big leap happens. You know that, right? So mm-hmm. little baby steps. So ask a new question. Um, 
what is work that, you know, or go to your num I mean, or get really practical and have a money date and go to your numbers and just take a peek at them and see what they are. Or, you know, ask yourself, you know, what if I did work that I loved and got paid really well for that or just got paid decently for it? Mm-hmm. And what are those services and what is that? You know, so my husband's a writer, um, but he he's kind of a jack of all trades. That's but but that's like he's always he's not a professor. He he you know, he, he teaches people, he gets people online and does all the tech stuff, but all does all this consulting and marketing, but he would, I mean, part of him would love to just be writing. Um, and so, but that skill can be used in so many different ways. So it could be writing letters to, he saves all of his like email, his, his correspondence to clients or customers, or he saves all of that. They're, they're beautiful emails. Mm. (laughs) that he's written. He always thinks he's going to put them together and show people how to do customer service well. Or writing could be in the form of, I think a dear friend is going to hire him for their e-commerce site to rewrite all of the descriptions of the products in a more interesting, creative, fun way. He'll be amazing at that. Or, mm-hmm. you know, he write, he wants to do journals um, to tell his life story or to pass on teachings to our teenager. Like, I mean, there's so many different ways to use those skills. Why am I, why did I just go off on, I'm going off in tangents. I don't know, I'm into it though. Um, (laughs) It's working, it's working. I I think because, I think you started with the, yeah, the story, it's possible to shift and how do you change your story with, with writing? How do you change your story with writing and journaling and both looking at your beliefs, but also what new questions can you be asking? That's for me really important too. What new questions can you be asking during different life phases and where you're at that are related to money, you know, and your livelihood and your work and how this is going to work for you, how this is going to, you know, create a livelihood for you at this time. It's going to be different than last year. It's going to be different than next year. So now, you know what skills or services or ways can you use your writing, your creative writing to provide a service in the world? And how can you get paid for that? And all of those things. I just think there's many creative ways to do our work. And some people are going to be set. Like if you're a fiction writer, I guess you're, you're, you're set on that. You know, that's how, that's your world. Or if, you know, you're writing memoirs, that's that. Or I other- think it is, it's cross-training though, because um, the writer Jacqueline Winspear talks about it this way. She's written, oh my God, two dozen novels and has also written at least one memoir and writes essays. And she talks about it, that when you write a different form in a different form than your main one. So if you're a novelist, if you were to do the kind of writing you're talking about with your husband or articulating the a concept, this can form as cross-training. And so you're strengthening all the muscles around your storytelling and using that skill. And that can be a way to take the pressure off earning money from fiction. Yes. I mean, that's where I, 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 I do get, I am practical. So mm-hmm. that this is where I am a Capricorn and <laughs> I am so unsteady. And then I have the Virgo rising and then the cancer moon just, oh my God. But right. So there, and then Enneagram four. So, it, but there has to be a practical nature to my creativity 
for me, right? So we're all different. We have different makeups, but that's where I, I want to support the practical piece because that's the ground. That's the, how are you going to pay for all your basic needs and move beyond that to a place of comfortable, you know, more comfortable lifestyle and more thriving, right? So how can you do your work in a way that is deeply, deeply satisfied? And I think we're just always growing towards more, even with my work, there are some years where my work feels deeply satisfying and other years where I'm bored mm-hmm. and I need a break and I need to do something new or I need to do it in a different way. And that's just, that's just ongoing, right? We're always tweaking and adjusting and fine tuning. I don't know, unless you've totally found your, your, your niche in fiction writing. I don't know. I mean, I think yeah. the thing about fiction that works for this kind of mind, because I definitely have it also is that the beauty about thinking about writing in books and fiction all the time as a job is that you can write a book about anything. You can write a novel about anything. So it's a container that allows for infinite variety. And Mm -hmm. so it can completely change. Like if one novel is about um, a surgeon who's working in a small town in a forest and faces the next one could be about somebody in a in a huge megalopolis who's dealing with completely different things but has completely different issues so there's always possibility for change my teenager is reading the kite runner right now just a uh-huh. little and he's really into it. And he's like, it just feels really real to me. It doesn't feel so much fiction. I said, is it, it might be a little more historical fiction, right? But mm-hmm. anyway, just let me tell you, I, I, you know, I'm a fiction reader. Yeah. I'm uh, with some memoirs and lately it's been a little too much um, history, but yeah. that's, but for most of my life, it's fiction, fiction, fiction. So to have my teenager boy, um, telling me he's loving a novel that they're reading in school makes me so happy. It's so good because I think we think, again, like this isn't the practical thing. We have to learn all of these technical skills. I had a thought as you were talking earlier about a way to see fiction as practical, which is what if you took your own life situation? Like when we were trying to figure out ways to use writing as a way to make money. Like what if you sort of stepped back from yourself almost outside of your body and you saw yourself as a character in a novel and you were going to say, okay, I've got this person who's in this situation and needs to make this kind of money. What kind of story would I put them in? Yep. Love it. Yes. And just brainstorm ideas, like different paths that they could take different. I love this. I love this so much is stepping to the side to yourself or stepping to behind yourself or just getting that larger view of putting yourself as the main character. And this is your past. This is your story. This is where you came from. These are the challenges. Now, how are you going to get this character to a new place, walking down different roads? And the new place is this intention you have financially, like you said, I think it's a beautiful intention that most of us have. I want to do work that is satisfying to me and that pays me in such a way that I live a comfortable life. I mean, don't we all? Yes. Yes. And can we use our imaginations that serve us so well in stories to support us in making that change? I think so. Yes. 
I mean, I learned so much from fiction and from the characters. I've I've said this my entire life. It's part of how I train and study. I don't do a lot of other training since graduate school. You know, I was like, that was so much. It's so <laughs> intense. It's so intense, you know, in the 150 page thesis and on and on and on that I learn primarily through <laughs> reading novels. I learn about myself. I learn about other people. I put myself in other people's shoes. I learn about different cultures. I learn about different, so, you know, or someone's trajectory or what they go through or different communities or different cultures on and on and on. So I think as a therapist or as a teacher who's holding space for other people all the time, like there's so much I learned from, from reading novels about humanity. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, I love, okay. So, but going back to your idea, I love this of putting yourself in the character and asking new questions and, and writing out the feelings and the story of this character, right? Asking what, you know, what phase of life is their character in? Yeah. So everyone, if you want to go into the nitty gritty of the production of the books that Barry's written before, we will have that link in the show notes so that you can hear the specifics of that story because it's important to hear that too. But this yeah. is like big picture identity piece, which I think is beautiful to kick us off with. Yeah. Well, I can't thank you enough for going on this exploration with me. It's always, it's always a joy to dive deeper into this topic with you. Thank you. Yeah, I had no idea where we were going to go. This is our third or fourth interview. Yeah. And I think we got to something, though. Yeah, I think yeah, so. I think we did. I think there's a lot of for me talking around because I'm definitely in a more spacious space. There are quite a few tangents, but then there were some, I think we got to a concrete piece there. We did. Yeah, very good. And always a joy to be with you. Thank you for listening to The Secret Library. The Secret Library podcast is hosted by me, Caroline Donahue, and produced by Haley Hatcher. Theme music is composed by Emily Hawkins. To get show notes, links, join the conversation in the comments, and become a supporting member of the show, visit us at secretlibrarypodcast.com. We'll see you back here for the next episode.